welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and explores how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and this is the first podcast in a three-part series looking at GCU's University to Business team. On today's episode, I am joined by Fiona Stewart-Knight, the Assistant Vice Principal Business Partnerships and the Director of GCU's Institute for University to Business Education to talk about her role at GCU and the wider work of her team in Scotland and around the world. Fiona, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for speaking with me. Good morning, Craig, and nice to meet you too, and, and nice to have the chance to, to speak to you about the work that we do. Excellent. I'm going to kick things off, Fiona, then, with a very broad question. What do we mean by the term university to business? I suppose we coined the term and, and wrapped that around the activity and the strategy that we have, because we see our specialist knowledge, if you like, as being able to connect with industry through a range of, of methodologies that start with a pattern and that pattern is all about um, one-to-one to reach many so it's about how do we connect with a business to reach its employees how do we connect with a government to reach its ministries and its departments and therefore its policies and its um, implementation uh, how do we work with an intermediary such as the institution of railway operators as a professional body who then uh, extend their reach to their members and how do we support those members as well as the strategy and the policy and the system of, of that professional body. So it's all about trying to collaborate through partnership to reach more people with the knowledge, the skills, the research, the capacity building and the qualification systems that, that we have to offer across any discipline that the university may teach. So that's all very interesting, Fiona, then. Can you tell me then about your role within the university and how you reach the aims of university to business? We work um, as an umbrella, if you like, across all of the academic schools and the departments of the university. And what we seek to do is utilise that specialist business development knowledge and ability to form relationship with clients and customers in industry, the public and the third sector, nationally and internationally, how we use that knowledge to diagnose problems, specifically human capital problems, critical and scarce skills gaps, workforce development issues that align with the subjects that we teach, the knowledge that we have and the experience that we have of connecting subject matter expertise in an academic discipline to the career path and the roadmap for people's careers that exists traditionally, that exists in an emergent sense, that exists in a converged sense as technology, the economy and society change and how we anticipate changes in society, the economy to and technology to be able to transform, empower, develop, educate people with skills, knowledge and qualifications to perpetuate the mobility of their career. It's about ensuring that we prevent people from slipping down a cul-de-sac because they couldn't envisage the need for a particular skill or a qualification or a, a professional body accreditation or even in software and cyber terms, maybe a vendor certification that's embedded within an academic qualification that we're delivering to them. And it's about also thinking cross-functionally about uh, not just the, the disciplines and the subject matter that the university can deliver within those career-based contexts or research-based contexts. It's also about the, the cross-cutting need for 
things like meta skills, critical thinking, being able to synthesize, analyze, reflect, refer research, embed project management principles into major infrastructure projects that a, a student might be a, a part of. And it's also about working very specifically with people who are in work. So one of the core focus of everything that we do, it pervades everything that we do, our client base, if you like, mm -hmm. at a university to business and a consumer level are working professionals. So we're working with people who have committed to be in a role, are seeking a qualification that gives them validity, credibility, capability in that role, credentialed through the qualifications that we provide in the discipline, as well as through any professional body recognition that is embedded within the program that they're following, as well as bringing the work experience and the knowledge of their workplace into the learning and teaching environment that we provide so that they are synchronizing, optimizing, enabling everything to come together and make them, you know, a rocket scientist or whatever they, whatever they want to be. But it's about catalyzing those systems of knowledge, experience, professional behavior to come together and, and make them the best candidate they can be for the job that they are in. But it's also about preparing them to take their career forward and progress to a higher level, having met the standard for the job that they are in. And that's a very important message because I think in a work-based sense, we're trying to, in the most fundamental way, support people and qualify people for the job that they do, give them credit for the knowledge that they have. And sometimes that might be through a flexible methodology like recognition of prior learning and prior informal learning so that we count their work experience and we assess that and benchmark that as either entry criteria into a program or it, it might also be about advanced standing so going further ahead in a program because you can evidence that you have the knowledge already but also it might be about simply bringing an underpinning through academic learning that scaffolds everything else that they do because while they have substantial work experience and work practice that may range anything from two to 20 years they may have significant gaps or progression in senior terms has evidenced where they have a weakness or they have a gap and we need to go back and, and catch that and repair that if you like and, and strengthen things and then take them further forward and that philosophy applies whether it relates to human rights as my most recent meeting was about this morning with the Scottish government uh, in relation to pending legislation for human rights and looking at public sector equality duties or whether it's to do with cybersecurity and the neurodiversity gap because there isn't enough of a say a female presence in the cybersecurity workforce in Scotland and how do we transcend that challenge how do we encourage more women into cyber and how do we qualify those women through either graduate apprenticeships or Cisco vendor certifications so it's it's about looking at the nature of the problem, the nature of the support and the systems of qualification that people need and trying to bring that to bear in an impactful, credible, useful way. That's very thorough, Fiona. Thank you very much. Now, we know what the team does, but can you tell me who makes up the team? Who do you work with? We have a very um, dynamic, energetic team that comprises 
an academic team, which is led by Marty Wright, the academic head of the Institute. And she is a, a, literally, we call her a human dynamo. She has huge experience in work-based education and was qualified originally as a nurse and started her work-based practice in uh, nursing and the School of Health and has brought that to bear in, into the, the work of the Institute. And she specializes particularly in things like recognition of prior learning, recognition of prior informal learning, uh, credit rating, systems of accreditation frameworks, and being very innovative and at the edge of the curve in terms of how to translate systems of recognition for work-based practice and workplace learning and practice, if you like, into an academic context. Marty leads a team that combines a range of people who include marketeers, chartered engineers, people who specialise in English as a second language within the academic development uh, tutor team. And we also have within that team a solutions lead who specialises in managing the relationship between apprentice, apprentice students and their mentor and their employer and the academic teams and program leaders delivering the apprenticeship programs. So there's a kind of full gambit there of, of people with substantial experience in a lecturing, a senior lecturing and a, an academic development tutor context. We then have the business team who are drawn from a range of backgrounds and experiences. I've come from the drinks industry, the electronic sector, studied marketing internationalization languages, and I've always worked in a blank sheet of paper, build, build a strategy for income, work on the product development, and then ensure that you've got a big and substantial sustainable client base. So that's the piece that I bring, if you like. And then we have somebody who comes from a very big European projects background. That's Alicia Clyde. She ran her own business, delivered many European projects around issues of diversity and capacity building in Eastern Europe and used her work for uh, the Foreign and Commonwealth Development Office in Poland within the, the comms department. So has a, a range of wild stories around, around her time there. Um, we have Andrew Campbell, um, who is from a, a college business development background. And so he brings that, that uh, insight into how we vertically integrate with colleges for projects where there is an opportunity and a necessity to do that. And he runs our graduate apprenticeship portfolio with Ronnie and Usman. Ronnie and Usman were originally based in the academic schools, but um, they specialize across health and computing engineering and the built environment to recruit to any of the programs that relate to those disciplines. Usman also picks up the business school and we together use the skills and knowledge and the relationship management focused attitude of those people to nurture our pipeline for graduate apprenticeships and also our upskilling portfolio of short courses for working people. Julie Fisher recently joined our team. She's focused on process systems compliance and is really enjoying being in a very different part of the university, having been here for over 20 years already. And so we have quite a, a diverse team. The last person to mention would be Claire Young. She specifically is leading and, and pioneering how we manage digital and face-to-face -face events that showcase the work of the university in university to business education and apprenticeships and upskilling to industrial employers and also making sure that we involve those employers 
to as great a degree as possible in things like industrial advisory boards. So we've refreshed the population of industrial advisory boards through the, the, the work of apprenticeships and upskilling to reinvigorate discussion around curriculum redesign, fit of curriculum with needs of industry, looking at um, assessment structures, looking at speakers, looking at cross-pollination between programmes where convergence is apparent in the marketplace, whether that might be control and instrumentation, it might be to do with AI, data science and engineering. It's about trying to ensure we have external understanding of where technology applications, systems and human skills in relation to those things are going and are needed. So I suppose that's um, that's the list. We have one administrator, Lorraine McFarlane, and uh, Lorraine keeps me on time and uh, ensures that I'm on the right plane in the right country with my bags, as well as um, she has a, a fantastic background of running an MP's office. So she's great at policy, politics, um, reading speeches, checking things, um, and and brings to bear very a very astute set of skills that that keep us professional in our external dealings with important people's uh, teams of PAs, etc. Thank you, Fiona. So we now we know what the team does, we know who makes it up, but tell me about some of the work that you do with industry. Can you give us an idea of some of the, the companies and organisations that you and the team work with? Maybe a, a good place to start is to say that the kind of three or four key areas of activity that we have, so people don't get lost. It's fairly, fairly big once you get into the the nitty gritty, but to start with the most conspicuous activity that we have would be graduate apprenticeships. There are 10 programs that we're qualified to run. We currently run nine and we have between six and 700 registered working professionals on those programs currently within the university. The most recent intake was about 270 people for 22, 23. And the majority of those programs are STEM-based data science, software development, cybersecurity, most are at undergraduate level, one is at master's level, quantity surveying, civil engineering, engineering design manufacture. We have um, a very novel a chartered accountancy program that gives you an integrated master's and ACCA chartered accreditation within five years. I think that's the only one in the UK. And we have a very popular business management program. So that kind of gives you a flavor. It's not all of them, but it gives you a flavor of what we have. We also have within the portfolio upskilling and reskilling. We give it that title because it fits with an intention that focuses on short, sharp, modular based programs that may or may not be micro-credentialed that ensure that a working professional can pick up a module in a subject that is chosen for its content, highly aligned with the needs of industry, will have an impact in terms of new insight, new skills, new um, knowledge or technology so that they can better do the job that they are in. An exam a good example of that might be grabbing the software development for data science module from the MSC Big Data and teaching people how to code in Python so that they can add that skill onto uh, maybe an engineering background. The upskilling and reskilling portfolio is refreshed every year and we decide what to offer based on analysis of the market. We can use a range of tools to do that, our own 300 strong employer base that we go to and consult with. But equally, we can use AI-based systems and labour market analytics to look at skills demand by geography, 
and we can bring that into the mix and help look at what we have within programmes in the university to bring it together and then offer it um, over an academic year. So upskilling is funded by the Scottish Funding Council, as are the graduate apprenticeship programmes. We then have transnational programmes in work-based education with corporate clients in various parts of the world. And then we have what we call credit rating, which is the provision of credit rating systems for private training providers or corporate training organisations who come to us as a mark of quality assurance. And that's actually quite a big growth area where we have a strong emerging client base that is international, not, not just local to the UK. So how does it work then, Fiona? Do you approach these organisations and say, we can work with you? Or do they come to you and say, we need help in filling certain areas? Can you talk to us a bit about that process? So I suppose one of the, the slightly remarkable things about what we do is we don't advertise. That's potentially a slightly radical departure for um, a business development team. But that comes partly from my background, having worked for big, strong, high quality brands where if it's all about the knowledge and skills of the business development team, the relationships that they build and the word of mouth that you perpetuate, you don't need to rely on a system of expensive advertising that might be a bit more wing and a prayer because you never really know who's going to come back to you and whether that, that investment will work. So we, we tend to operate very much through the relationships that we develop with companies and that word of mouth piece works very, very successfully where we deliver a good academic program, a great student experience, and we have a reputation for delivering something that is relevant and aligned to the work that people do, which, which has great traction. I think the other thing that keeps people attached to us is our proactivity, our level of energy in terms of managing and consulting with companies around their needs and also a willingness to, to engage in their language. So it's about the lexicon. So we talk, talk about um, human capital, we talk about talent management, talent development, talent acquisition, talent retention. We look at the skills gaps, we look at baskets of skills, and we try and understand the needs of the organisation, their strategy, their difficulties and opportunities, so that we can then do some problem solving on their behalf or in partnership with them which not everybody else wants to do. So sometimes I would say we like to get involved in the thornier problems and provide a roadmap for how to, to move forward from that. And I think that encourages people to stick with us because they know that we're invested. I think the other thing that works well is we have a system. We, we think mathematically and logically about how we forecast the demand for the programmes that we're running, particularly for graduate apprenticeships where there is a high need to work almost 12 months ahead of the recruitment point because many candidates coming into those programmes may not yet be in that job. And in order to come onto a programme and be eligible for a programme, academic criteria aside, the person has to be in a job aligned with the programme of study. They have to have their employer support to participate. They have to have a mentor in the discipline who is chartered or certified for that discipline and so it takes time to stack all of that that up now an apprentice could be in an upskilling and a reskilling position they might have been in a business like network rail for a very long time and need to um, progress through access to higher education to be able to reach their full potential 
and there are many that we have worked with Babcock International is another one around those types of gaps. But equally, somebody might have been employed, say, Lloyds Banking or Accenture, Diageo, where we're looking at demand for critical skills and they want to recruit and employ a brand new bunch of people that may be school leavers. They may not be, but they, they want to target maybe up to seven or eight people that they would bring into one intake with GCU, but they haven't yet identified those people. So they go through a, a long recruitment exercise, assessment centres, they then select the final six, seven candidates, and then we receive the applications. But we hold the employer's hand all through the process. So we start with the job descriptions, the job adverts. Sometimes we may help with the shortlisting for non-standard entry candidates. Um, and then we work with them again from the point of um, receiving the applications and holding their hand all the way through. So that very tailored to customer experience for the applicant, the decision maker, the line manager, even the director of a service to make sure that they can guarantee that that talent is going to come into the business is a big part of what we do. And it might not be what the rest of the university would expect us to, to be involved in. Uh, Mandy Davis, one of our solutions leads for apprenticeships in the academic team in IU2B, she ends up involved at the other end as well in terms of um, how has somebody done by the end of the year? Did they pass all of the modules that they were sitting? Have they attained a particular standard? Can we give feedback into their performance annual review? So we're, we're kind of involved intrinsically in many parts of the process to enable those people to proceed and I think generally in terms of the, the types of employers that we're working with, SMEs, MNEs, FTSE 100s, I mentioned Lloyd's, Diageo, Babcock, Network Rail. We've also got McLaughlin Harvey in the construction sector, um, Agreco in the energy sector, SP Energy Networks, many manufacturing businesses and quantity surveying businesses, Scottish government, but also HM government. So we work with the Foreign and Commonwealth Development Office, Her Majesty's Passport Office, Department for Work and Pensions, um, the head of place in, in Edinburgh, who's the, the cabinet office for HM government in, in Edinburgh, uh, you know, the, and lots of local authorities, North South Lanarkshire could go on, the list is enormous. <laughs> but um, what that brings also is an opportunity in those very big businesses, not just to work within one programme, but also to sell the, the programmes that we want them to, to know about and understand about across their organisation. So one employer might have candidates participating in software and data science and cyber and business management. Even if you took a construction company, they might be involved in quantity surveying, civil engineering and software development for business. So you can end up with any number of combinations coming from one organization to support the critical skills and the workforce development issues that they have within the organization. You mentioned, Fiona, some of the companies that you've worked with, and there's an enormous portfolio that the U2B team have been working with. But is there any projects that you're particularly proud of? What do you think the biggest successes have been for you and the team? There are two that are interconnected that are very central to the work and the activity of the academic team in uh, the Institute for University to Business Education and it relates to a project that I set up over 10 years ago and that's with one of our international clients Transnet Freight Rail who are part of the Transnet group. They are a state-owned enterprise in South Africa. They run South Africa's rail and network and ports infrastructure and they are 
of huge fascination because they are responsible for driving the GDP of the South African economy through the movement of minerals and goods um, from mines and depots to port. So they, they run what you would term critical national infrastructure and they have to deliver a, a, an outstanding freight rail service to be able to move the millions of tons of goods that they have to move every, every, every week. When we first started working with them, they were looking for a qualification that was railway specific, that would deal with um, upskilling their workforce to do the job that they, they are in. And that might be a train driver, a railway operator at a fundamental level. It might be more about an operations manager, health and safety manager, or even a business corridor manager running responsibility for a corridor from the Northern Cape in South Africa to the Western Cape and everything that travels along that corridor. Those people were working in roles without a qualification to enable them to better do their job, but also post-apartheid, many people in general terms in South Africa had not had access to higher education that was work-based or relevant to the job that they were in and so we stepped in to try and develop a partnership to collaborate and deliver that. One of the starting points for that opportunity came from working with the Chartered Institution of Railway Operators in the UK and the, the 12 years or so we've worked with them in the UK to date has developed the train operating and the freight operating companies in railway operations in the UK. So we were effectively internationalizing that program, exporting it to a very specific country context, and then adapting it to do a, a job that was more related to freight, and then enhancing it by adding an honors level and a master's level as the program progressed over the years. So now we've qualified and graduated um, over 1,200 employees from Transnet, which is quite a, a phenomenal achievement, I would say we've had three successive contracts with Transnet. We're currently about to start on a fourth and the client certainly hopes based on their 60 odd thousand strong workforce that this will continue for many years to come and they see it as a flagship program of their human capital development. And one of the, the, the most exciting things that the academic team have succeeded in achieving and the academic team comprise Marty, Chris, Pat, Costas, Brian, Vic and Colin, I'm always in danger of forgetting a name, <laughs> and Caroline, our very special colleague, Caroline Tuff, who's always led the UK version of the programme. All of these people have enhanced and reinvented the programme over the years as it's travelled, and they've engaged very specifically with some skills and knowledge gaps that are particular to South Africa. So we had to develop a very special system to encourage synthesising, analysing, reflecting and research. But we also had to develop the subject matter experts in our client, our, our partner organization, the University of Johannesburg, so that people who had the best knowledge in rail to be able to teach the program were better at teaching the program and were better at supporting the students. So we have a, an academic development tutor, Linda Proudfoot, who specializes in supporting the subject matter experts to be the best academic that they can be from a teaching and a learning perspective. So it's very much a, a quadripartite arrangement between GCU, the client, the University of Johannesburg, who delivers some of the program, we deliver other parts, and then our background partner, the Chartered Institution of Railway Operators from the UK perspective. So that, that's a fairly unique partnership with a bit of a a big impact delivered and mm -hmm. one of the best outcomes is that the 
qualifications across the undergraduate and the master's level have been implemented into the job descriptions of the business, which then means that we've really hit a particular level of impact to be able to say that. And over 50% of people who've participated in the programme have been promoted. So that's another measure of impact. We've got a couple of book chapters about it, but I'll not talk to you about that. <laughs> Anybody who wants to look them up can. Yeah, those are very impressive projects, particularly the transnational aspect as well, Fiona. But are there any other projects on the horizon? Any big things that are coming up that you want to talk about? Well, we have uh, two members of the team, Andrew and Alicia, and uh, one of the academic um, members of staff from the School of Computing, Engineering and the Built Environment, um, Associate Dean International, Valenta Manassi. Those three are currently in Zambia as we speak. They've been listening to the president of Zambia this morning uh, talk at the Innovation Africa Summit about technology, about skills for, for technology, particularly uh, software, cyber, computing, science, engineering, and how Africa as a continent can develop, upskill, catalyze its performance and its people. And we're hoping that through that three-day summit, we're meeting as many African leaders and uh, ministries of ICT that we can engage with opportunities to, to take forward. There's such high growth and such high demand in certain countries. And, and we think that we could take the graduate apprenticeship programs that we have and work proactively to see how they could be evolved or taught in the format that they're in to countries with a comparable need to tackle critical and scarce skills gaps and a lot of that I have to say is about not bringing people here it's like the transnet project it's about us supporting people where they are so we're not encouraging brain drain it's about supporting people to contribute to their own society and economy and productivity um, so that that country that they are from can can grow and develop and in some cases, it might be about collaborating with another university to share knowledge of the curricula that we have in those more contemporary disciplines and subjects, share experiences and understand their needs around professional body accreditations, vendor certifications, because when you move from one country to another, these frameworks and systems change and, and the, the stage of currency and development changes as well. So it's it's not a one-size-fits-all approach and I, and I think there are great ways to innovate and enhance and catalyze opportunity and it's about listening to the partner listening to the needs of the country and helping them understand how they can get there faster in a safe way with a structured approach that that guarantees a sustainable outcome those sound like really interesting projects, Phil, and I wish you and the team all the very best of luck for the future. But I want to say I thought that was a very, very interesting discussion with you, very thorough. And if you didn't know anything about university to business when you first started listening to it, you will certainly know a lot about it by the time we finished. Fiona, that was absolutely superb. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. It was a pleasure. I'd also like to thank everyone for listening to this episode and I'd like you to join us again next time for the second part of our podcast series looking at the work of the University to Business team at GCU. Now, the event, the views expressed in the Common Good podcast are those of the participant and don't necessarily represent the views of Glasgow Caledonian University. Please take the time to subscribe to this podcast. You can get every episode sent straight to your listening device by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and everywhere else. So until the next time, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Common Good Podcast.